What's the elf? What is it saying? This is a family show. Hello, Pokey Pals, and welcome back to Aos Airwaves Episode 5. My name is Gibbles and Bits, and with me is my best friend and bot lane bro, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke for Nerd, how you doing today, man? Doing great, man. Super, uh, super excited to see what some of these balance changes do. We are recording on Monday, so they just rolled out last night. We've got a lot to talk about, uh, and uh, but I've actually been playing like weirdly a lot of unite especially solo queue now we've been having our our standard practices and stuff like that but like i've actually been playing some solo queue and like not a hundred percent hating it even though there are times when i want to hate it uh (laughs) you still get the crazy uh things where you're like teammate why but but my my mentality has shifted you know i'm i'm i mean i've been in masters for a bit but i'm kind of like in the I'm like in the mid range of masters, right? Like 1500 yeah. or something like that. And I, I play so little solo queue, you know. I, I it's not like I'm so high up. Um, but but what's interesting is I I don't really care if I go down in rank. What I'm doing is trying a ton exactly. of experimental builds and just having fun with it, you know. Like in in practice, I 90% play like supports and defenders, and so like I'm just playing all these attackers and speedsters and just having fun with it. So you know, I, I I'm in uh, I, I'm actually feeling pretty high on Pokemon Unite right now in general. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm amped up about it. Now, how much have you gotten to, to play recently? I know we've got, uh, some experimental stuff we're going to be doing in practice, but, mm-hmm. uh, what about your solo cues? It's been, it's been, uh, sporadic at, at best, I'll say just because not out of desire for the game or, or, or lack thereof. It's more of just, we've been traveling a lot. So I, I jump on there whenever I can. Uh, when you have to sit down for 10 to 15 minutes, it's not like playing a Legends of Runeterra match where, you can probably wipe somebody or, or get wiped within two to three minutes of a match if, if people are not taking yeah. too, to- too long with time. You have, you have about 15 minutes per match. So I try to sit down and not just play, like, one game. I want to sit down and play, like, three or four. So it's um, – with the travel that I've been doing, it's a bit hard, but I have been playing. Um, yeah, connection and, also plays a big issue to that. If you're sitting in an airport yeah. and you don't know if you're going to have enough connection to <laughs> to, 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 to not – throw the game for your team <laughs> yq yeah yq if you're just going to disconnect in the middle of it so yeah. so no i've been playing uh but i've been mostly trying to practice and, and keep up for things that we might be running in our five stack or just playing the things that i enjoy which is a lot of cram i i <laughs> will still always play cram he's finally in a place where he can he can be played so i've um i've been i've been jamming a lot of jamming some cramorant um but it's been good and uh with the approaching uh, May final, not May finals. The uh, the last tournament before Worlds, mm-hmm. the regional finals. I was excited to kind of see what was was going to happen with that, and we will kind of discuss a little bit of uh, of what happened at the regional finals. It closed out yesterday. We're t- as, as DBN mentioned, we're talking about this on Monday. The regional finals were a two day event across Saturday and Sunday. There were twenty four teams invited to the regional finals with the top two making it. They had uh, brackets of or a pool play round robin of six, and then the, the top two teams out of each pool play made it into a double elimination bracket, leaving us with eight teams to, to play in this double elimination bracket. Um, 
And we had some surprises throughout the whole thing. I mean, there's a lot of really recognizable teams that you've seen be consistent leaders and tournament winners across uh, the seasons and the different months and all of the seasonal tournaments or even just private tournaments uh, that they've joined. We've played a couple of them in our our tournament experience, which is fun. Uh, We've gotten stomped by them, but we've played them. So uh, at the in the end, we saw Blackhand and IX Gaming take the top two slots of the regional tournament. Uh, after uh, after everything was said and done, Blackhand ran their way through the winners' finals, or on their way through the winners' bracket. IX Gaming lost to Blackhand in the uh, winners' semifinals, or in the winners' finals to go to grand finals. They got sent down to the losers' bracket. They two owed full send to make it back to the grand finals and they reset the bracket on Blackhand actually to to force a bracket reset and it was a best of 5 in the finals. Blackhand and IX Gaming went hard at it and Blackhand actually went 3 to 3 to 1 on IX Gaming in the after the re- the bracket reset to to take the top spot securing themselves $20,000 and a spot in London for the World Finals. NA has two slots that uh, they get to contribute towards the, the world finals, so the world tournament. So IX Gaming, even though they lost in the grand finals, they will also still be going. One of the biggest surprises, I think for a lot of people, uh, you can see reactions all over YouTube from a lot of pros and a lot of content creators, was the the downfall of the Game and Gladiators, one of the very few sponsored teams, I think outside of IX, um, for both of the IX and IX GT, they lost uh, pretty early. They they lost in the second round to IX Gaming, got sent to the losers bracket, and immediately in losers bracket they ran into full send and they lost two to one to full send in maybe one of the most dramatic series I think I've ever seen. Did you get a chance to watch uh, any of the any of the regionals uh, tournament DBN or even that game with uh, full send and, and GG? No, no, I've got the vods queued up uh, on on YouTube, ready to dive into. I'll probably do that a lot later today, maybe while I'm editing the episode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I'm really excited to to dig into them and stuff. And you know, I I kind of got the high level overview. I tried to tune in a few times, but uh, you know, what's fascinating to me is is actually you know two things. It definitely seemed like. The meta that we've been, you know, dealing with in our own practices and in our, you know, because we we've been competing in a lot of the qualifying events. Obviously, we didn't make it into the the finals, but uh, but we had fun with it, and you know, we we kind of got a read on a lot of those, uh, you know, meta picks, and and it seemed very consistent with our in- impressions of what is strong, you know, what is uh, a staple, right? Um, and so I think that like that felt felt good that like we weren't too far off in our own, um, you know, estimations of it. And maybe it's just, you know, it's just our skill. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I'll say the other thing, too. Right. Um, in the couple clips that I watched, one, I think that N.A. especially has some really incredible casting talent. Like, I just want to oh, say, like, sure. I, I I'm very picky when it comes to MOBA casting, and actually I'll say even when it comes to CCG casting, but I think casting CCGs coming from someone who's done it is maybe like 
it's very different. You can have a chiller vibe, right? And and like you don't feel like you have to get like insanely amped up. Even though like I think at times it's correct to get amped up over certain really cool plays and stuff like that, right? But like when it comes to MOBAs, if somebody's just like shout casting, I can't get into it. You know, but if somebody can get excited when things are exciting and then reel back and look at the big picture, like that's really cool. And I think there's a lot of casters in NA that have done that. Second thing, um, can we talk about the uh, the India set, like and their their um, casting? It was so cool! It, it was like Sports Center. It did. I'm like I I, I was so uh, excited by that, and frankly, like I love me some LAN, uh, you know, uh, tournaments and stuff for MOBAs, and and like even though I don't think it actually was a LAN tournament, what was so cool about it was that like they had the the, the casting desk and they had the people there like all together and 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 it's coming from somebody that's only ever gotten to cast tournaments um over the internet right like it can be difficult at times to like you know you're 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 juggling a bunch of different softwares you know you're trying to make sure that the that the engineer you know who who's like running things behind the scenes with all the scene swaps and stuff like has what they need from you and that you're like listening in to hear for the cues and stuff like that it's just a lot to manage and it makes it a little harder to focus on like you know planning out what you're going to say for the next segment or like you know getting the time to like t- check out somebody's deck list or in this case somebody's held items and like you know be able to provide that insightful commentary it's harder when you're doing it like online and so i'm sure for the the casting desk there and the casters there it must have been so cool and so satisfying to be able to sit in front like all together and and have that sort of focus on the game and also the community aspect i would love to see and i know it maybe a little harder for for NA and EU and stuff to coordinate those things, but like I would love to see that in the future of Unite because it always impresses me as a viewer when that exists, and I think it increases the quality of the cast. Yeah, I mean, with it being the first world tournament or first regional tournament leading up to Worlds, I I think this is I didn't expect a whole lot from from the the physical setup of oh, it. Oh no, me but, me neither. <laughs> but but it gives but it, but seeing India do that gives me a lot of promise yeah. that others will be and, and that get traction. Mm-hmm. I think other regions will take notice of that and be like, this is what the 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 listener base or the viewer base and the players want to see. They want to see that professionalism, almost like you see in Rocket League tournaments where they have the whole casting table and they yep the production of it is just really really well done. And I did think overall production wise, even on the NA side. The the stream and the the personalities that they had casting the games and yeah. even even Seltzer running the tournament as the the host I think she did a fantastic job I really liked yes. the personalities and I, I fully backed the way that they did that um, real quick I do want to go back and just set the scene real quick for the most dramatic moment of the regionals tournament <laughs> which, which was that game three between um, between full send and gaming gladiators. We've all had moments where we've won or lost matches by a slim margin. But in a tournament like that, in the regional finals, to send yourself to Worlds, especially when you were in the loser's bracket and your tournament life and your season is on the line, to to lose Zap. So Game and Gladiators lost Zap, full send, got it, and they they traded a couple kills. They each ran and scored some points. The one-minute buzzer comes up, and it's a close battle. Now, we, us watching the tournament, we get to see the scores. They don't. It's a, if it says it's a close battle, that means the margin is one way or the other. You don't know who's winning within 30 as a points. player. Within 20 points. 20 points. 
think it's 20 points. So you know within 20 points, you're either close, tied, or whatever it might be. You don't know. You're relying on somebody who's been doing the math, which I, I they, they kept talking about Zogrug as apparently the guy. He's like the god for, for like statistics and crunching those numbers mid-game. And he is. He's a, he's a very practiced, very, very skilled player. And you can see the GG's posturing back defensively. It's almost like they, they think that they are, they're ahead and they're not going to try to push points. And they were right. They were up by a small margin. I think it was something like eight points or something like that, or seven points they were up. And you see Bowlby on Lucario just run. Like, he's kind of posturing, and he's, he's going to, towards the bot lane. He, he's on for IX Gaming, and he, or for, sorry, full send, and he thinks he needs to score a little bit. There's 15 seconds left. And Charizard's defending the bot second goal, and he hits a fire blast. He's just trying to keep Lucario at bay. And the minute that he sees that fire blast cue, Bulby dashes. E-speeds right through him, or he's either E-speed or, or power up punch, and goes right through him, dunks eight points, which is because it's after two minutes, is doubled to 16, and they're now up by nine points. <laughs> and everyone on the casting table is losing their mind. Yeah. And they're like, they've got to score points somewhere. they got to score. They have to score something. And they couldn't do it. Because at that point, they full send pushed time. up to their goals, and they were they had nobody that had. It's to me, it was the exact scenario of why Score Shield needed to be nerfed. Yeah, because they got outskilled. Lucario outskilled the Charizard, and it won them a tournament. Where otherwise, it would have just been rushing through and cheap scores through Score Shield. And this was the kind of scenario. That is one heartbreaking for GG, being the the powerhouse that they've been all season. And in my opinion, I think they were going into the tournament the top team mm-hmm. that everyone wanted to to shoot down for. And to see them go down in a heartbreaking fashion, but also to see a team like Full Send send them home that way was cool and heartbreaking, dramatic. It was it was everything you want in a tournament. Yeah. And for what so, it's worth, you know, um, I, I'm sure they'll be back. There's more tournaments. I'm sure they'll be bouncing back. It's, it is unfortunate to see them not going to London because I think they're very, very skilled. But at the same time, you know, you've got um, two very good teams in, in Blackhand and IX. IX, uh, we've lost to in our tournaments, and they're insanely insanely good. I mean, I, I just we, – we never came close. Um, and so, like, it's uh, – the, some inse- exceptionally good teams are going to London, and I'm sure from the other um, regions as well. We're mostly focusing on NA because because we're we're in NA, uh, right. but we, but we I mean, have the most to background, and we NA. we play against these people when we you know go into tournaments sometimes. So it's it's uh, yeah. But anyways, um, that that's your high level overview of the uh, of the events of this last weekend. Now, of course, we have a balance patch that just rolled out. We're going to dive into that actually in a second episode, a special episode uh, where we are going to make uh, a well, it's a too soon tier list is the way we've been putting it, uh, where we're going to give our uh, our impressions, our humble impressions as to uh, tiering all of the Pokemon, uh, and uh, we will release that later. Uh, probably uh, right after this episode. But we don't want to dig too hard into the balance changes yet because we do have a couple other segments. Let's just quickly uh, jump into our casual segment, which is something that Gibby and I have been talking about and we see everyone talking about, everyone from, you know, Spragles to Crashy, Chris Heroes. They're always 
talking about people doing this wrong when they're playing in solo queue, and we want to provide yet another resource as to remind newer or casual players things they can do around their ultimate uh, that will help them win the game. So let's jump into Experience Share. He's getting a big head. Yeah, but his brain's still the same size. All right, Experience Share. DBN queued it up well. This is going to be focused around your Unite move, or your ult, as people will call it uh, more generally. It is your most powerful move that you have, no matter on what uh, Pokemon you're playing, that you're queuing up. It may look like a different move. It may do a bunch of different things, but ultimately, this is the move that you, you cherish, you hold, you love, and might win you a fight or win you the match, depending on uh, how you, how you utilize it. You gotta give that ult some TLC, baby. I gotta, I cannot stress how important your Unite move is in a game called, you guessed it, Pokemon Unite. So, it is, it is really important, and we see all the time players use it differently in good ways, in bad ways. We talk about it a lot in our five stack, whether you are five stacking, trio stacking, um, duo, duo queue, or solo queue, it is important to be able to manage the percentage, the timing, and when you're using it on the map. So this is experience share. This is our casual segment. So let's just talk a little bit about your Unite move. So your Unite move charges over the course of the game. Depending on what Pokemon you're playing, it might charge faster or slower. Every Pokemon has a different Unite charge rate. So if you're wondering, why do I feel like I'm getting my Unite move a lot more up with Pikachu than I am when I'm playing Garchomp? Well, it's because Pikachu has a built-in um, rate that gets your ultimate back faster and they also acquire it at different levels as they go through the game not every pokemon gets it at the same level so before you queue up know what level you get your ult at for a certain pokemon if you're going to try to play one or practice one so that way you can aim to get that level if you're eight and a quarter and you know that you get your ult at nine and a lot of pokemon do get their ult at nine maybe it's worth you not trying to go help push that team fight but go back into your jungle or go back into your the outside of your lane and go pick up a couple extra uh, pieces of farm so that way you can have it for a big fight. Yeah, and, and so for charge rate, obviously it has a static charge rate, which is the amount of seconds it takes to recover. So for instance, the fastest one in the game right now, Delphox, is 84 seconds, okay? But um, what Gibby is, is talking about is there is a way to charge it faster, which I don't think I understood when I first started this game. I don't think it was clearly explained, or if it is, you know, it was a throw-off, throw-away thing, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, the knowledge that you can accelerate your Unite recharge rate by clearing wild Pokemon. And, and what is it, a certain number, uh, a certain percentage per per Pokemon clear, or is it a... Yeah, it's per, it's percentage-based, so it's percentage-based so like between your three and five percent, usually... Um, yeah, of, of the total charge rate for your Pokemon. Yeah, um, and... Uh, and so, like, if you're going around and you're you're you notice, let's say you throw your alt uh, and you want to make sure it's back by Zapdos, and you look at it, and you're like, wow, I, I don't really, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get back there in time. Um, and obviously, the more you play a certain Pokemon, the more you'll get comfortable with like how quickly it comes back. Like literally on Delphox, like you take a couple of Pokemon, it feels like it's back already. It's kind of crazy. But like, if you're playing something like I don't know uh, Charizard or Gengar, right? Like, you, you do have to work a little harder to get back. So it means, yeah, not going out and running in the middle of the map looking for kills all the time. It might mean going and clearing a bunch of core fish, clearing some, 
you know, Audinos in the, uh, you know, the, the XP ring along the top or the bottom uh, of the map on your side. So, like, recharging that and managing that and knowing, and of course, we're about to go into, like, when you should use your Unite. But the simple fact is, if you know you're not going to have it back in time and you should be managing that as a vigilant player, is like, wow, do I have my Unite? Am I going to need my Unite in the next 30 seconds to a minute? Okay, better go start farming. Maybe not look for kills all the time, right? And and there's a balance there. Obviously, you have to understand, like, if they're pushing down your second goal, like, okay, maybe my Unite isn't as important as, you know, not losing this goal or going to help my teammates. But, like, you can position yourself near farm to both take farm and then if somebody pushes up, you can help defend. Like, there's some things you can do there that, that come with experience. But, yeah, recharging your Unite move is really important and you can do that by farming. Now, when it comes to the timings and, like, where you want to use your Unite move, Gabby, give us some some ideas of those those broad strokes for players that just want a place to start. Sure. So if you're going to plan on using your Unite move, you want to use it in a place that's going to be impactful, that's going to have some sort of translation to your team getting ahead in the game. So you being 1v1 with a Pokemon in the center of the map at six minutes where there's really not an objective, there's nothing that's going to positionally probably get your team ahead in the game. It's probably not a time to to get your to use your night move, even if it's going to get you out of a small fight. And you're like, haha, I survived. You really didn't net anything. You didn't, they didn't kill you, but you really didn't gain anything from using it. If anything, they gained it because now you don't have it most likely for the next big team fight. A general rule is that you're going to want to save your Unite move for big team fights in lanes, if it's going to help your team push points onto a goal, or if it's going to help you take an objective like um, like Dreadnought or like Rotom. So save your Unite moves for those big moments. And then obviously it's important to have your, your Unite move, most importantly, for the Zapdos fight when Zapdos appears at two minutes, because that is the biggest swing point of the game that will could that could net you or lose you a lot of points, especially if you are running something like a buddy barrier that is going to provide your team shields in the fight to help your team last longer to keep you alive. I mean, we talk about it all the time. The best CC is death, right? So if if you're if you die, you can't be there for your team to even use your unite move or, or wait for it to get back up. So there's a comes a comes a point in the game where even when we're five stacking, and I know this is a general conversation about early casual play, but um, there's a there comes a point, or even when we're duo queuing, we'll say, "Hey, no alts at this point, no alts at this point." AKA, it's three minutes left. It's one minute until Zapdos is going to appear. Don't use your alt here because if you use it at two at two forty five or two fifty left in the game left on the clock, you are not going to have it, unless you're possibly Delphox, you're not going to have it back for that Zapdos fight when it is most important and your team needs that support. It's also important to call out to your team, maybe, when opponents use their ultimates way too uh, late in the game before a Zapdos fight so they know that they don't have it um, for a big team fight. It's important to know those things. And if you're ever curious... We found this out recently, and I don't know how long this this little feature has been in the game, but if you're ever curious which one of your teammates or how many of your teammates have your Unite move up, if you look in the top of your screen, and I'm speaking from the mobile perspective, Debian, correct me if I'm wrong. It's there on Switch, too. Okay, so if you look at the top of your screen, you can see all the little portraits of all of your teammates that are on your side, on that you're playing with, and they have a little circle 
above, I think it's above their name. And if that uh, circle isn't lit, if it's just, it's just like whatever blue, blue color it Bluish is, like the dark or blue. Something, yeah. yeah, if it's that circle is not lit, that means they do not have their alt. But if that circle is a bright white, almost like that circle has been filled in like a little, like a little beacon, that means that that Pokemon on your team has their Unite move available and ready and recharged and if you've got three or four unite moves going into zap like you know who you can you can count on if you're maybe if you're trying to combo your unite move with somebody else like oh hey i'm i'm garchomp and i'm gonna want to go in does my blissey have my her unite move she does okay maybe maybe they'll they'll use it on me and i'll be able to go in and do do a lot of damage but if they don't maybe you have to maybe you think about not engaging so heavy it's things like that. That's a little bit more of a high level like thought process. But if you're ever curious about who and how many people on your team have your night move, there is a way to tell, and it's very small, and you have to know to look for it. Yeah. So that that is a really important thing. I, I actually, you know, it's crazy. Um, they have that same sort of thing in Dota too. But for whatever reason, I did not connect that for so long in Pokemon Unite. So when I'm playing with teammates, I'm always like, "Do you guys have your ult? Who has their ult? Like everybody, good." And and finally, somebody was like dude, it's, it's up on the top. Like you can see the little light lit up and I'm like, Oh, well now I feel silly, but sometimes it is. If you are playing with a friend or something, if it's not lit up, it is sometimes okay to say, Hey, what's your, what are you at with your charge? Are you close? And they can say, Oh yeah, dude, I'll have it by zap. No problem. Or they might say, "Ah, I don't know. I'm sitting like 70%. We got like 30 seconds left. Then you can say, okay, go take this farm. I'm going to go. I'm I'm not going to take it. You, you have it. Right to make sure that they you know can get their unite move in time. Now let's quickly, uh, and we don't have too much more to cover in the section, but I do want to quickly talk about uh, times not to use your unite move. Okay, and and this is probably even more important. Like Gibby mentioned, the times you should use your unite move are one around the big objective. So Zapdos is the first thing. Always have your unite move for Zapdos. That's like a full stop. That is just the rule. Okay, um, two. Uh, using it for objectives, uh, other objectives like Rotom uh, and Dreadnought. However, you only want to use it on the first and second because if you use your Unite move to try to get the third Dreadnought or the third Rotom, then you can do the math. You won't have it by Zapdos, right? So right. it's really important that you, you keep that in mind. Like just because – and, and if you have your Unite move like before the first Dreadnought – which is usually if you're the jungler, but maybe it's because you had an incredible lane. Yeah, throw it. Use it. Secure first Dreadnought because it is the most important objective in the game after Zapdos. And, like, some people would argue it's more important. Okay? So, like, <clears throat> that's a great use. A lot of times if your team gets um, – if your team claims the first Dreadnought, that will push some of those, like, you know, support players or maybe like the, the top laner or whatever, it can push evolutions. them. Yeah. It, the evolutions, it'll push them up into their ult. And so now if you take the first dreadnought and Rotom still up, you can go up to Rotom and you absolutely should use your ults there. Right. Uh, because you can continue to snowball at advantage. Same thing for pushing goals. If you're at a place where you're like, okay, like we're in between these big objectives that spawn every two minutes. Like, let me throw my, let me throw my ult on this, uh, you know, to, to push these points here, right? Because at the end of the game, like, it's not about how many kills you got, it's about how many points you scored, right? Um, but the times where you should not use it, Gibby already mentioned one, do not use it in a 1v1 scenario in the middle of the map when no teammates are around, right? Because the uh, amount of uh, XP that they get for killing you uh, is not as much as the amount of XP you'll get from killing Dreadnought with your team. Nor is it the amount of map control you'll get by claiming Rotom with your team. So 
just using it to save yourself is is silly unless you are right about to transition into the dread fight and then sometimes it can be okay but but general rule of thumb if there's no map objective popping up don't throw it just to defend yourself it's usually unless maybe you're delphox azumarill or pikachu because their unite move just charges like it's i don't know free candy okay um there's a handy uh, chart. I don't remember who produced it, but you know what? I'm going to just throw it in our Discord for everybody that shows the charge rates of all the Pokemon. Now, it's a little out of date because there's some new balance changes, but you can look at that, and that will tell you basically the math for, like, you know, for instance, uh, Decidueye has one of the longest charge rates at 150 seconds, right? So you can do the math, okay? Uh, that's a little over two minutes. If you throw it under four minutes, you may not have it back unless you're getting a ton of farm. So... Don't do that. So don't do that. And all it takes is just checking this chart and saying, okay, like if I, for whatever reason, let's say I die uh, after the four minutes, like right after casting my ult, and then I come back and I die again, I won't have ult in time for zap. Therefore, shouldn't use it. You know, Delphox is only slightly over. It's a minute, 24 seconds, right? Yeah, you can throw that all the way up until like three minutes. You know, and you'll have it back because you just take like one or two pieces of farm and you'll be fine. So it, the advanced thing. So we're, we're talking about like at a casual level, only throw it for objectives. Don't throw it to save yourself. You know, um, don't throw it before Zapdos fight, even if it is for another objective or for a goal. Right. But the bigger thing is the nuance that will elevate you uh, past that casual player and into that higher level mindset is knowing the individual level for the Pokemon and using that to your advantage and pushing that boundary a little bit, you know, because sometimes it can be really huge. Okay, guys, we're really behind on points. We would really love to get this goal. I'm on Delphox. It's three minutes. I know I can. Okay, guys, don't worry. I'll throw it. I'll get a couple pieces of arms. Fireworks. We'll be good. We'll be fine for Zap. But let, like, let's get this objective, you know. But if you're in that mindset that, you know, in the past, I think, like maybe like five months ago, like Gibby and I would play with the mindset of like, okay, it's 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 oh it's three thirty. Don't throw it. Doesn't matter what it is. Don't throw your ult. Don't throw your ult. No matter what, it's a blanket rule, and it helped us win more. But there were times when we could have been doing more leading up to it because we would have known the details. We would have known that we're playing Pikachu. We can do it. It will be back. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's the the way to to step up. And that's I think the whole point of this segment is to give you guys some good knowledge if you're newer, if you're more casual, to step your game up and hopefully win more games on the ladder. So, um, absolutely, yeah. Anything we missed on that? I don't think so. I think you're yeah. As we said, your ult is your most important move. It's your best friend, and and use it wisely. Mm-hmm. It's it's a good advice. Use it wisely. So uh, oh, so take take I, that. I did think of one more thing. You have to after the, the, again the next next level thing is knowing what kind of ult your Pokemon has and if you should be throwing it at the beginning of a fight or to save yourself in the middle of a fight. There are some Pokemon that have great unite moves that you want to throw like. Oh, I'm getting low. Like Eldegoss, I feel like is a great one. Oh, I'm starting to get low. My team is starting to go low. Pop it. Jump up in the air. Come back down. Heal everybody. Push people away, etc. There are some Pokemon, in my opinion, and, and, and this is there's nuance to it. But like Trevenant, like I really like throwing Trevenant's ult earlier in the fight, right? Like, um, but you can throw it if you start to get low, and if, depending on what your item setup is, right? You've got like Charizard. Charizard does not want to be at very little health when he throws his ult. He wants to use it while he still has this massive health pool, 
because he's going to fly around and zap people or, or excuse me, burn people uh, with his fire, right? So understanding what kind of ultimate you have and if it's something that you want to use when you start to get low to keep yourself in the fight or if it's something you want to use early to get that big advantage. Venusaur, another great one. Throw your ult early because if you're playing pedal dance and you're running really fast zooming around, you have that extra move speed from throwing your ult. You can get a lot done with that. So just, mm-hmm. just think about that as you're playing. And again, a lot of our advice, I feel like these days, tends to boil down to playing around objectives. And secondly, know what Pokemon you're playing. Like really, know the nuances and get to learn the nuances of the Pokemon you're playing. And it elevates you so much. Read the descriptions of your alts. Yeah, take, the, take some... the time to read the moves. Yeah. <laughs> well, because sometimes there's, a, there's additional effects like a, a reducing the movement speed of somebody or they can't heal and things like that that aren't visual when you're playing. But maybe you, you would, you'll throw it at a different time or a different scenario if you know that it has an extra different effect to it too. On top of the actual physical damage mm-hmm. or healing that it's going to do. This episode will be around forever in case you ever forget. When should I be using my ults? You'll hear our, our sul- sultry, luxurious voices telling you, use it now. Throw it. Do it. Do it, child. Do it. Yeah, and then, you'll, <laughs> and then you'll, we'll, we'll go evil and we'll go into Star Wars. That's right. But now we're going to move into our more competitive segment, all going to be around the idea, one a little bit of a conversation about our newest Pokemon that is now going to be viable uh, and playable now that the, the regional finals are over in competitive play. Um, Del Fox, but also a little bit of a conversation around cooldowns. So we're going to move into our competitive segment called Masterclass. I don't know about this school of yours, but if it's turning out students like you, I'd have to say the standards are pretty low. All right, guys, so with Masterclass here, we watched all of these uh, big events, the, the finals for the regionals, um, and uh, we know that when it comes around to Worlds in a month or so, um, in London, they're going to have a all-out brawl, which will now include Delphox. So Delphox was not permitted in these uh, in these games, uh, but will be for the uh, the World Finals. So what does that mean? Delphox has made quite a splash uh, in the meta, and obviously I think that there is some really, really big implications of that Pokemon, which we were, I think, all sitting here wondering, will it be nerfed? It was really, really powerful. Uh, will it be nerfed going into this balance patch? And it proved not to be. They didn't touch it, which I think is both a pro and a con. I did not want it to get overly nerfed because I think it does some really cool things. But let's be honest, it is going to massively shake up, I think, the meta in, in, a, in multiple ways. You could say it's going to spin up the meta. It's going to spin up the meta. Good pun, Gibby. Well done. So, so, you know, we did not do anything on Delphox when it first came out. And I think that comes from a couple of reasons. We were preparing for an event. Um, we also were traveling a lot. And then the last thing is simply, we wanted enough time to play it to really feel like we understood it because we quickly identified the character has a lot of nuance. Um, and, and it's not just nuance in terms of executing, but it's also nuance in terms of like timing counterplay, um, and the impact it has on enemy team compositions. And so like, there's a lot of things to, to talk about here. Obviously anybody who's been playing the game recently knows fire spin is freaking amazing it's kind of bonkers, uh, and it allows you to do a lot of really cool things. Everything from, you know, it chasing people down, laying a trap if you know somebody's going to be coming through here. Like, that's, like, a, a really interesting way to play it. Like, I've been doing that on my games at Zap when, let's say, we clear the enemy team, like we wipe the enemy team or get most of them. I'll throw a little fire spin 
as they start coming back, like I'm watching their their recovery timers, and I'll throw a fire spent into that middle channel. You know, it's like a mime wall. <clears throat> yeah, it's similar to like a mime wall almost, which I think is is really cool. But but then you also have, and I think this is the biggest thing where it's going to come into the competitive uh, field. You know, we have a lot of Pokemon that are popular, maybe not like at that pinnacle tier, but that have been seeing a lot of play in and out of the uh, the meta. Pokemon like Greedent, like uh, Trevenant, Pokemon like uh, Venusaur, okay, with with uh, Giga Drain, right? That heal, and Delphox's ult like reduces healing. And as somebody that's been a big Trevenant fan, and I've been trying to play Trevenant, when I come up against Delphox, I feel like my kit is just pointless going into Delphox. Um, because the whole idea of like self-sustaining through a ton of healing, as soon as that ult gets dropped on me, I feel like I'm a piece of paper getting cut up by some scissors. You know, like it, it, it's it's kind of wild. And Pokemon like Aegislash especially really rely on that healing. Is that going to be something that that Delphox can disrupt? Is Delphox going to fill in that role of the Ninetales, Pikachu, Venusaur, like bot lane attacker? Gibby, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's really interesting from a Delphox perspective in general that the strongest move with Delphox is a fire spin. And fire spin of the four moves, both in your slot one and slot two, has the longest cooldown. And it's still the most broken move of of the four. Yes. Granite depending on what moveset you're running. If you're running Mystical Fire with it, hitting a Mystical Fire does reduce the cooldowns, and we'll get to that more because that's going to be the the latter half of this segment conversation. But Delphox has the CC from Fire Spin. It has a good amount of damage. You, you can pretty much run any combination of the moves. I mean, yes, Mystical Fire seems to be the the maybe a little bit more prevalent but fire blast is great i do like running fire blast it's a little bit of a wider a wider um kind of movement and beam it also does a little bit of pulse of extra damage it, it kind of captures more more damage almost in a line especially if you're grouping for team fights i mean and i as we've talked about fire spin is the is definitely the more sought after move because it's so strong but that's not to say that flame charge for the movement and the extra little mystical fire like or the extra little beams, almost like almost like Sylveon's Mystical Fire that kind of come out yeah. after you use Flame Charge is a bad move. Little tracking dots. Yeah, yeah. it's mo- it's mobility and and there's there's sure hit tracking dots. That that's a good move still. So you can use any combination of it, and maybe there will be some teams that utilize a different move set on Delphox. Well, the point is is that all four moves are strong. The ult comes back the fastest in the game. And it's got a pretty good counterplay to a lot of the healing, as you mentioned, that some some very prevalent Pokemon rely on in fights. And when you're throwing that ult so many times and you're having that repeated effect in big moments, I, I, I have a hard time not seeing, foreseeing Delphox in, in comps as a bot lane, either almost off attacker because of the CC perspective, like... I think you could run a big tank like Blissey, maybe run a Del Fox, and then run something like a Pikachu or run something that's got a little bit of extra protection, maybe like a, a Decidueye behind it or maybe even like a Ninetales that can push up and, and 
while someone's kind of stun locked in the fire spin, just jumps into their dazzling gleam, is taking less damage, and is just pegging them with boosted attacks. Like, I could see that being a thing. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Like, if we look at the the primary comps, right, uh, we see a pretty flexible, um, like, jungle, right? Uh, and that's always kind of been the case. It's like, oh, is it, like, Dragonite? Is it Greninja? Cinderace? Like, th- there's a lot of options based on what you want to accomplish out of that role. But we've seen a l- very static top lane. It's been mostly Lucario. Every once in a while, something different, but mostly Lucario. You look at the bot lane, it's always Blissey and Hoopa, almost exclusively. This is NA, but even in other regions, we still see uh, Blissey and uh, Hoopa pretty much exclusively. And Lucario, too, right? So you look at that and you say, okay, if we we know that uh delphox is coming in and we see it as very impactful what can those uh what what would do on those three pokemon right now obviously delphox going into somebody who's using a venusaur and we're assuming delphox is going to be played in the bot lane like in that bot tri lane right um probably alongside hoopa and blissey if we assume that and we look over at the other lane and we say okay do they have a venusaur uh giga drain okay delphox is favored there um, if we look at, do they have a Pikachu nine tails? You say, okay, maybe that's like pretty comparable. It feels like it's part of that. Cause if you look at Pikachu nine tails, they're very similar in effect to, uh, Delphox and that they, they kind of have a, a long range damage. They have a little bit of CC in there too. So they're, they're supporting their team by, even though they're damage dealers, they're providing, you know, stuns or freezes or whatever. Um, and, like, I think that that has become the signature of that position, of that what we call, and I don't know what everybody else calls it, but we call it, like, an off damage or, or a, you know, a, a bot DPS. Like, the the role is you can get really greedy out of it and put something like a Venu there, but realistically speaking, you're trying to find something that, while can put out damage, it also can help the team uh, lock people down. And if it dies in the middle of a fight, it's not as big of a deal as if, say, the Dragonite or the Greninja dies early in the fight. So um, Lucario can just kind of zip out of the the fireworks uh, and zip away from the fire spin. I don't see Lucario as really struggling against um, uh, against Delphox. Am I wrong in that? No, I mean I think the uh, one of the. It's it's interesting because I I don't think and from watching a lot of the the regional play, it's the preferred move set that I like and it it was a lot more prevalent. I feel like I saw there was a lot of very good Lucario players and I also attribute the prevalence of Lucario in the uh, in the competitive scene to Lucario has been good for so long. So there are also um, like specialists. <laughs> Well, there are specials. There are players that are just very, very well. I mean, that's half the battle, right? It's just having j- games jammed on a re- on a character like that and knowing by heart the the cooldowns, the moves, the the resets, the situations, the when the the timing and when when to when to jump in. Um, the percentage of health on certain Pokemon of okay, if I if I hit him with a power up punch right now after having two stacks, this will kill. Looking at their health bar. Knowing those situations, there are a lot of very practiced, as you mentioned, specialists on Lucario. Power-up punch and close combat seem to be the, I, I would say, more prevalent mm-hmm. moveset mm-hmm. from what I saw. Uh, even though E-Speed and Bone Rush is also a very good um, very good moveset. And Bone Rush actually would probably be a pretty good way to get 
throw your throw your bone past the fire spin and then you kind of leave it out there and mm-hmm. if they fire spin then you then you blink blink away from it to where your bone is that's not in the fire spin right <clears throat> and, and e speed is pretty immediate with that dash I think there's a lot of tools regardless of what moveset you're using for um for Lucario to get out of that it's also something like a Zarina who's got two dash moves as her offhand when mm-hmm. it's not stomp or it's not uh triple axle I mean I mean triple axle and trope kick both or trop kick however you pronounce it um both of those moves are very high mobility moves especially if you get the uh queenly majesty reset to be able to do it again you can outrace the fire spin that's chasing after you mm-hmm. dive cram can do the same thing like there's sure. there's definitely a lot of options to be able to get out of fire spin but if you don't have one of the top mobility moves to be able to do that fire spin's going to find you yep and it will hit you often yeah and that that brings up my next point right which is you know you have um blissey which i feel like blissey's in the unique position of uh the egg, the double egg build with softboiled. Obviously, we've seen softboiled be able to heal like a lot, like a lot. But if you're limiting healing with um, fancy fireworks, right, and you're in that big team fight, Blissey doesn't have great mobility. If it, if the fireworks is dropped on top of Blissey, softboiled is going to do a lot less than safeguard. Safeguard, of course, you can give that unstoppable, and all of a sudden, the slow from Fancy Fireworks does less. All of a sudden, the uh, I think the additional effects of the healing reduction, there's actually, I, I was reading that there's this interesting interaction where if you leave and then re-enter, it gets applied even if you're unstoppable. So the, there's some, this weird like interaction there but the point is shielding i don't think is affected like healing is i'm pretty sure shielding is separate from healing so it's it's not it's not affecting your health pool so it is separate. right so shielding on safeguard seems like it would still be just as viable so i don't see necessarily blissey going away assuming the safeguard is the preferred option now lastly there's hoopa and Hoopa is really in the game for the macro element of being able to teleport the team around. Additionally, Hoopa does a lot of healing, but it's all you know sending people home to sit in base, which is now, of course, outside of the Fancy Fireworks. Now, I think Fancy Fireworks does have a, once you leave it, there is a slight uh, delay before the effect goes off. Like It's like a couple seconds in which the effect is still going on, even after you walk mm-hmm. out of the area. So I think yeah. if you go back to base, it might take an extra second of healing in the base, but the base does so much healing, it's probably negligible. So like yeah, I don't see Hoopa as really being affected uh, by the, the things that Delphox is so good at. So really, if I look at Delphox's impact and I say, will Delphox shake up the top-tier picks... I see Lucario, I see Blissey, and I see Hoopa, and I say I don't think any of them particularly get punished by Delphox more than something else. However, I do think Delphox might successfully push out things in the jungle and other yeah, bot lane DPS uh, and force certain Pokemon that uh, have mobility, like a Dragonite, to zip in and around with you know Extreme Speed or Dragon Dance or whatever. I think Dragon Dance is the is definitely the preferred one. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, something Dragon Dance hyper beam, right. Uh, or, uh, something in the bot lane that can either sit back and doesn't really care if it's getting, um, you know, put something like another Pikachu or a nine tails, um, but limit the ability for something like a Venusaur with, you know, uh, giga drain to come in and maybe it becomes more of a slot where you play sniper builds like, like, uh, 
um, Deciduous Spirit Shackle where you play Venus Solar Beam, right? Where you can just sort of be that artillery character and let the, the people in the mid and the top front line for you. So it, it, it's – I do think it's going to have a massive impact, but I don't think it's going to really change the core – uh, of uh, the backbone of many of these competitive teams. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Hoopa and Blissey will still be very prevalent. I could see it moving its way into the jungle because the amount of burst damage and the crit potential that you have off of Mystical Fire and the cooldown reset from, from Fire Spin just being able to throw that more often is going to be really good. I think you could see that in the jungle. You want those moves out there as quick as possible, especially getting an ult. Um, that's going to come back so fast and so often having that for first dread would be amazing on Del Fox. Um, I could see, I could see you running Lucario top Del Fox jungle and then having that Hoopa Blissey and something like a V new mm-hmm. bot lane or even a Pikachu that's going to lock somebody down where you can makes your mystical fires more, uh, more effective. I, th- I think that those are all very good. I mean, fire spinning somebody and then throwing thunder on them with a Pikachu is, is, a, is also a great way to, pumping a bunch of damage from an AOE perspective. So there's a lot of options, but I, I just have a feeling that in some capacity or another, there's going to be some Delphox play. And that kind of moves us into our sec- second conversation mm-hmm. of why is Delphox in the most popular move set right now? Mystical Fire and Fire Spin. Why is that such a big deal? Because as I mentioned, Fire Spin is an eight second cooldown. Yeah. It is the longest cooldown of of Delphox's kit, but not so big when you can when you combo it with Mystical Fire. Uh, DBN, tell us about the combo and the uh, kind of the the move interactions between Mystical Fire and Fire Spin. Yeah, uh, so you know Mystical Fire is a line based. Uh, There's a slight delay towards shooting this beam out or this um, this blast out. It only hits one Pokemon, so that's kind of where you, like you look at the difference between Mystical Fire and you you'd look at like Fire Blast, and you might say on the surface, well, Mystical Fire does a little more damage, but it can only hit one Pokemon. Why, you know, what if I used Fire Blast and I hit three people on the enemy team and it dealt all this damage? Like, why wouldn't I do that? Well, Mystical Fire reduces the cooldowns of your moves when you hit them. So if you're reducing the cooldown of Fire Spin and all of a sudden you get to cast Fire Spin, hit a Mystical Fire, hit another Mystical Fire, hit a Fire Spin, like you're just chaining all these casts together in a way that will obviously out damage being able to throw a Fire Spin and then a Fire Blast and wait for the cooldowns to come back. And like I've played the, the Fire Blast build. It's not bad. It does good damage. But if as long as you're hitting your mystical fires, and that's where the you know, that's where the, the rub is, right? Like you have to land them. Fire blast, if you can't land a fire blast, man, I don't know what to tell you. But if you miss yeah. a mystical fire, like it happens and it messes up your 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 little chaining of these abilities. But you know, good players won't miss the fire blast. Or the uh the mystical fire. And and the range. And the range on it is is bonkers, and all you do have to do is hit an enemy. If there's a big team fight and you throw it into the middle, you're going to hit somebody, you know? <laughs> so Possibly multiple people. And it can crit. Yeah, it can crit. And, and it has a slight detonation area. It is small. The detonation area on it is not big. So don't count on right. that. Um, but the point is, is that, you know, 
the amount of damage you, you're doing is obviously going to be much higher if you're landing your mystical fires. And the impact you have as a teammate with fire spins coming up at like three to four seconds as opposed to eight seconds is significant. So, and Delphox is weirdly like not it, like, it, you know, Pokemon can dive Delphox. But when you throw a fire spin on the ground next to you, you actually have a decent chance of escaping. It's weird. Like, you know, usually when Pokemon, like, close on, you know, someone like Delphox, these mage characters, like, normally you're just kind of toast. But Delphox has the ability to really rip away at them with fire spin and then whatever the other second move is. And, you know, um, so it's 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 interesting. You know, we keep seeing the, the devs come out with these cooldown reducing combos and i don't hate it but i will say it's becoming like the top pokemon have ways to reset cooldowns and the pokemon that don't have ways to reset cooldowns are sitting at the bottom of the tier list i think we brought that up last week um and from a you know a competitive standpoint i mean look like you know either either pokemon have really short cooldowns or they have cooldown resets and pokemon like snorlax Mamoswine, especially the defenders, suffer from this big time. They they just don't get played because they don't have a way to keep pace with these damage dealers that are just chucking attacks every couple seconds, you know, or chucking moves every couple seconds with basic attacks that do a ton of damage interlaced, you know. And so these defenders are sitting there like, I threw my icicle crash and my uh, high horsepower, and now I have to wait eight seconds to do anything, right? Right, or I used my combination dragon, claw, dragon, charge, whatever, then the, the other yeah. move was on, on guard chomp. I used both of those moves in combination to do one big sweeping attack, but if they dodged, if your opponent dodged it, or if it didn't kill them because it just wasn't enough damage off of the back of that kind of combo move, now both of those moves are down for, for five, six seconds. Like, th- you have to be able to do something at most points in the game. Like, being able to... Like in a fight, you mean? Right, yeah, like not being being in a fight and just kind of wandering around or trying to kite somebody while you're waiting for your cooldowns to come up is a big detriment. Yeah, well, and that that's why we see the Pokemon that that rely on that struggle. And I mean, heck, you know, uh, Solar Beam Venus, Solar Beam has been buffed like three or four times, right? And it's still a niche pick, right? It's just a matter of the cooldown is just too long seven, after you use what, it. Seven seconds uh, or eight right. seconds, and then it drops. I think with the plus move at thirteen, which you know, getting to thirteen ain't easy sometimes. Um, you know, and, and I mean, at a high level, you'll get to 13. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying like, you know, it, it's not guaranteed. And up until you get to 13, your solar beam is at seven seconds or eight seconds. I can't remember if it's seven or eight, but the point is, you know, you, and you don't have a way to reset it. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that is kind of the, the challenge, right? And, and I guess the balance it also like what makes it into the, uh, it's nine seconds, I'm getting told by our producer, which is Gibby. Uh, <laughs> it's nine seconds. So that's crazy, right? And so, like, you know, it's very powerful. But if you – God, if you miss it, you've basically done nothing in the fight. And so – They should say if you if you get a kill with Solar Beam, it reduces the cooldown. Well, it's, you, well, okay, but that brings up my whole point. Is this healthy for the game to continue enforcing these? Like, the only way that we can build a character that is relevant is to have them be able to reduce or remove cooldowns. You know, at what point do they say, maybe we just have shorter cooldowns? Or maybe we don't have as many resets, and maybe we want people to have longer, more drawn-out fights. Now, I think for the sake of Unite, it's a 10-minute long game. I think it's okay to have quicker cooldowns, right? But they have to think about, like, what is the impact of that for other Pokemon that don't have that? 
are we just going to like and and we just saw for the record and we're not going to get too deep into it but we just saw a, a couple defenders get reduced cooldowns um you know i think uh mamaswine and snorlax both basically saw an average of two seconds taken off of almost all their moves right and, and so you know I think that the, the the issue is becoming apparent and that if you don't have a way to continually be throwing moves throughout the course of a fight, you're not going to be relevant unless the skill cap of the player is just that high and the coordination of the team is on point. You yep. can't be self-sufficient if you can't be throwing moves, you know, 24/7, which brings up like the a, a larger discussion which is what are other alternatives to cooldown reduction that the devs can do? Yeah, and there's there's a lot of outside-the-box thinking that's going to be required to maybe think of something that's different than, than a cooldown reduction. I mean, there's not a whole lot of mechanics that are really built into having two moves, a passive, and a couple like additional items, and then your ult. Like, there's, they're going to have to kind of get outside the box mm-hmm. uh, to, to do that, but it's right now that seems to be the most um, sought-after, like, I don't know, just addition to a move set is being able to do that move set more often. I mean, you're picking those moves and you want to throw them a lot. So it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a great discussion for the future and maybe for a creative segment of what other mechanics outside of cooldowns would we like to see? Yeah, definitely let us know, you know, I'm going to, if you listen on Spotify, I'm going to post, uh, as I, as I have been doing like a question, you can respond in the Spotify, uh, uh, section so you can actually type in a response through that you can also join our discord and that's the preferential place for you to share your thoughts so we'd love to hear that from you guys what are some alternate uh, alternative mechanics uh, that could either make a pokemon relevant without messing with cooldowns or challenge the uh, the pokemon that rely so heavily uh, on cooldown reduction or resets um We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, but I think that is going to move us into our final segment, which actually is going to tie nicely into that last thought. Uh, this is our uh, creative segment, and we're taking a, a sort of alternate approach uh, to an old segment here. Uh, and uh, instead of giving a, uh, a fully fleshed out idea, we're going to float some ideas of our own. So we're going to go into... Who's that Pokemon? Alrighty. So, again... A little bit of a different idea here. Um, we do have a couple uh, posts in our uh, in our section of the Discord where people are submitting their own ideas for Pokemon Unite characters. Uh, but we do want to get a couple more in there. And so the way that we're going to do that this week is by floating some ideas uh, out there and getting people's creative juices flowing. Uh, next episode, we are going to do a uh, another Who's That Pokemon and feature our favorite of anybody who has submitted any Who's That Pokemon ideas. So here... Uh, we're going to float out some basic ideas of our own and go back and forth with uh, the three Pokemon we'd love to see adapted to Pokemon Unite. So, Gibby, why don't you go first? What is your first idea? So the first one that I would like to personally see in the game, and I think this is just because I my mind is kind of spinning about, I don't know, maybe what kind of moves mm-hmm. this this Pokemon could have, but I would love to see Ditto. From oh, from, yeah. from from Gen One, I is it Gen One or Gen Two? Oh, he's Gen One. He's Gen One. Gen One. That's yeah, what yeah, I thought. Yeah, because yeah, it was part of like the original series. Easy, easy. Yeah, Ditto. I would love to see Ditto in the game. I think Ditto is it's this giant purple blob that like is is known. It's a normal type Pokemon. It is known for like adopting or stealing 
moves yeah, like and taking the shape and form yeah. like shape-shifting and taking the form of of other pokemon and like being almost this like mask it's almost like Arya stark in, in Game <laughs> of Thrones. like she ditto is Arya stark so ditto like, is the I, faceless one yes ditto is the faceless one so i would like to see would love to see ditto in the game and have some sort of move set where after a, a Pokemon uses, uh, we were kind of talking about this before the episode. Mm-hmm. After a Pokemon uses a, a move, being able to target that Pokemon ranged and like either take their shape, or being able to steal that move for a certain amount of time and being able to use it at like a like a reduced a reduced amount of time or maybe increased amount of damage or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would love for Ditto to be able to steal and adapt in the fight and be like, oh, okay, I see this lineup. I want to steal that move from from Cinderace more often to to be extra damage for my team or maybe our team needs a little bit extra protection and a little bit more team fight I'm gonna steal Snorlax's block move <laughs> more often and so Ditto is just a blob running around blocking everything like I feel like that would be really really fun um, it would be something that completely different than what we have in the game right now and I could see a lot of situations where high level players could utilize that really really well yeah so yeah. my first my first pokemon i'd like to see in the game we also just don't have a lot of, have a lot of normal bizarre. types like they'd have to do some really weird cool stuff with ditto to like make it feel like different and mm-hmm. and but it i think it could work as like there's some it's so possible there's some other like uh games like uh here's of the storm which like really experimented with what they wanted they had like a character called chogal which is a two-headed giant Oh yeah, Chogal. Where you could, uh, where two people controlled one character, and he was like really, really, really strong, but it required two slots. So you only had four dudes running around the map at one point instead of five. But it was a two-headed giant, and he, you know one of them is you know controlling all the movement and controlling the basic attacks, and like they have a couple like melee spells, and then the other person had a bunch of ranged spells that they're blasting from the other head. It was really cool. So like you could do some really neat stuff with that. I feel like. Well, we've seen we've seen even like an Overwatch. We've seen Echo can steal alts. Yeah, so yeah. like no, so sure. like Echo is a character that can steal ultimate moves from from opponents or or copy them from teammates. I think I can't remember exactly the nuance of it. I think or maybe even both. But the the copying ability is uh, especially on big moves is really cool and I, th- I think would be really fun. Yeah, for sure. So th- that's my first idea for Ditto. What is your first Pokemon Debian that you would like to see added? Yeah. So. Um... I have uh, – so I have a big love for bug Pokemon, and so I'm going to just throw this out there. I made an entire uh, sample idea of Butterfree, which I have posted in the Who's That Pokemon. So if you want some inspiration for, like, what it might look like, uh, check that out. But that's not the one it's I'm going to so do. It's so cool and well-written, by the it's way. A, it's a support character. Surprise, surprise. Um, but it's all based around, like, reducing – well, not all based around, but it has some uh, mechanics that uh, – reduce enemy cooldowns if you land the attacks so or like uh, increase enemy increase them. yeah increase so like it, it will slow down their recharge and stuff like that so a way to mitigate some of these massive cooldown reduction guys right uh but you know as a supporter it's not really doing much damage but uh, check that out and if you're interested you know feel free to message me and ask me questions about it but uh, i think you guys might get a kick out of that but that's not what the segment is i've already built that one out this one is like just a basic idea i love bug pokemon I'm thinking Ninjask. So uh, Ninjask is this cool, like um, he's a, he's a uh, what, what shoot? What are they called? Um, Cicada Pokemon, right? 
And so he has this first... Cicada. Yeah, he's got this first one where he's, like, this little ground-based Pokemon because, like, Cicada's, I guess, burrow, like, burrow and stuff. And then they, they come out and they can fly, right? So, and, and they leave behind these, um, these, like, casings, right, for when they molt and then get their wings and stuff like that. So it's really interesting. So, um... Ninjask is extremely fast and does all of these moves like like in the Pokemon game he's one of the fastest base speeds so he almost always goes first he's got a move that increases his speed over time so he would definitely be a speedster and I think what would be so cool about Ninjask is uh his uh basic or his his uh passive my idea for his passive is when he dies he gets uh his Shedinja which, for those of you who are big fans of the series, when you evolve a Ninjask, from, when you evolve uh, Ninkata into Ninjask, if you have an extra empty slot in your party, another Pokemon will be added to your party permanently, which is Shedinja, which is a ghost bug Pokemon that represents the molted shell of Ninkata before he turned into Ninjask. Oh, that's awesome. So the, my idea here is Ninjask has a bunch of moves. You zip around. He's very weak, you know, kind of like a... Um, you know, a, a very you know typical speedster, low health, he zips around, does a ton of damage, really fast, hard to pin down. But once he drops, you get five seconds as Shedinja, who has its own little move set to throw little ghost moves before popping. That's hilarious. It's almost like an ice climber's crap. Like yes, yes, got a secondary little yeah. little, little guy. That's and hilarious. there's some and there's like uh um. You know there is a precedent for this in MOBAs. Like there's a there's a character, a Vengeful Spirit in Dota, that does a very similar thing. When she dies, a spirit version of herself pops up, and you know, and could do some stuff for a few seconds before she drops. Like I think that could just be such a fun mechanic that like you oh we killed we killed Ninjask in this like close duel, and then Shedinja pops up and blasts him with ghost powers, and then and then he's dead. Like he he's going down, but as but before he goes down, his little ghosty version comes in to help. Like I think that could be so cool. So that's my idea for Ninjask's sort of slash Shedinja. Or like go, like he turns into the ghost and he has like four seconds where he's like got like a little bit of increased movement speed and he's running around and then he has an explosion where he dies. Like, yeah. So you can pretty much like just seppuku well, yourself and, on So somebody. what's interesting about Shedinja, Shedinja in the game has exactly one HP. It never gets more than one HP, but it has an ability where only super effective moves can damage it, right? So what if like that was what it was? When Shedinja pops up, he roams around a Shedinja until someone uses a move on him. And then he instantly dies, but you can't be hit by basic attack. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's great. Yeah. So anyways, that's my idea. Gibby, what's your second one? My second one is a a Pokemon from the second gen that I really like, and I I love uh, both of the different types that this Pokemon is. Um, I am kind of partial to loving, um, well, I guess it's only one of the two. I, I do like psychic types. I think psychic types are fantastic. Psychic and lightning are, are probably my two, uh, favorite. So I would love to see Girafferig in the game. Oh, I Girafferig love Girafferig, is, dude. Is, is literally this giraffe that's almost got this little, like, it's got this little ball of a tail. It's got a face on it, but it is <laughs> so cool. And I think one of the coolest parts about it is so it's a psychic and also a normal type. This is my second normal one. But it's it's mainly the psychic type. And Girafferig is this cool combination of psychic and it's a special attack base. It's got high special attack stats in all of the games. But it's because it's a normal Pokemon, it's also like got melee capabilities to it. So it's a it would be a special attack. My idea is a special attack melee style Pokemon. Oh, there really using- isn't much out there with that right now 
right. So like it, it could use uh, some of its move sets, uh, uh, almost like Crunch or Zen Headbutt. Zen Headbutt specifically is like it's this like psychic um, melee move. So it could be like a dash forward, almost or almost like a wind up where like it's unstoppable for like three or four seconds while it moves like in a straight line. Um, but it is technically like a like a mind psychic attack. Or it sends like a like a, a psychic pulse or a psychic version of itself forward in this like line as a headbutt. Um using things like that. It could still have capabilities and there's some of its other moves that it have knows in the game, like Psybeam, um, and Guard Swap. Those are also I mean, we've seen multiple we've seen multiple moves, or we've seen moves be used for multiple Mons in Pokemon Unite. This could also be another Pokemon that could use something like a like a guard swap, but they could just, you know, make it a little bit better. Um, or a power swap, so like where you swap the um, the skills of of another Pokemon, like, like like the attack of it, not necessarily the defense of it. That could, oh, be, that could be neat. Could be really cool. Um, so I think the combination of being able to have like a melee special attack Pokemon, mm-hmm. but also um, like being able to pick the different move sets. So having a special attack set and then maybe like a melee set if it's got pretty balanced stats that you can look at the other opponents and say, oh, this this, this team has really weak um, regular defense, but they've got really high special defense. I'm going to pick the normal set move that's going to allow me to do more regular attack stats to it and will be more effective against my opponents. Like, I feel like that flexibility would be really, really interesting. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um I, I think, well, man, uh, Girafrix also just a really cool looking Pokemon and just, just super cool. Yeah, I love giraffes, so that's that's perfect. Um, my second one here uh, is a ground type Pokemon. I know we do have some ground type Pokemon out there already in the game. Like I, I I'm fully aware, but this is my favorite ground or one of. It may not be my favorite, but it's one of my favorite ground type Pokemon. It is Hippopoudon. So it's a big in the world. It's Hippowdon or Hippopoudon. I don't know Hippowdon. I think it's Hippowdon is how it's pronounced. But it's a big old sand hippo. Okay, really, really cool Pokemon. Sand hippo. It is. I just pulled up. Isn't an image it cool? It. It's a sand hippo. Isn't it cool? Uh, so, but Hippowdon in the games is like a really, really good uh, Pokemon to have on your team. And the reason why is whenever it comes out. Um, in battle, it starts up a sandstorm automatically. Now, of course, the sandstorm uh, is uh, it, it does a little bit of damage to people that are not rock, steel, or ground types uh, over time. So, at the end of the turn, you'll take a little bit of damage. You know, the these these weather moves have been in the game, I think, since Gen two, maybe Gen three. Um, you know, but they're 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 a ton of fun, uh, and you could build entire teams around these these weather effects, right? Now. I don't think that there's a way to really tie that in, but I do think, you know, he's so iconically, he's got this sand constantly spewing from like the little, um, the little ports on the back of his, uh, on the back of his shell or the back of his back or whatever. Like, I think there could be a really cool, uh, ability to play Hippowdon and have it so he constantly has, his passive is that he has a constant sandstorm in an area around him which does a little bit of damage over time and adds a mischance to basic attacks around him. As a defender, he would be the ultimate, like, uh, uh, melee attacker killer. 
like melee attacks that he's close to get like a 30% miss chance. And it's not just against you. If you're standing next to um, uh, Absol and Absol attacks your ally who's in the sandstorm or your ally who's who's next to him, Absol has a mischance because he's standing in a sandstorm and he can't see, you know? So, like, how cool, cool would that be to be like – and you could do, of course, like something like Earthquake or that High Horse really Power. powerful. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the the counter, of course, is that – you know, mages can just do whatever they want. Move abilities. It's only basic attacks. But things like, you know, Pyroball or, you know, Blizzard or whatever totally mess with him like they would any other Pokemon. But basic attacks, while they're standing in his Sandstorm, and I don't imagine the Sandstorm to be enormous, you know, but a radius around him. So if he's up in someone's face like a tank wants to do, they can't just sit there and ignore him and smash the face of a little support. So I think that could be really, really, really cool. So that's uh, my hip out on. What is your final Pokemon you'd like to see in Unite? Okay, I'm going to kind of appease you here a little bit because I know you're big on bug Pokemon. I am. And we've talked about this. There is not a whole lot of them in the There's game one, right now. And it's crustal. Like there, like there should be more. And Okay, and granted, this isn't a bug Pokemon per se, but it's close uh-huh. because it's a grass Pokemon. Okay, well, I like grass Does Pokemon Does this count? Too. Does that, does it's that count? It's not bug, but I do like grass Pokemon, so I'll forgive you. I would love to see Victory Bell. Oh, Victory Bell. Victory Bell, a three-stage evolution from Bell Sprout to Weepin' Bell to Victory Bell would be awesome. It's a grass poison type, and we also don't have a there's, lot of poison type yeah, there's only two. in the game right now. I would love to see Victory Bell in the game. I think there is a lot of there's an AoE potential as a tank that would be really cool just because of some of the the the, the aura effects that that Victory Bell has and some of its move sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but the degradation of the of kind of like poison moves is something that we don't have a lot of in the game that I think they could they could work in with Victory Bell. Similar in a way to a long time ago when. Um, the first entry was made uh, with Nido King um, from from Pain. How he had certain mm-hmm. poison based uh, like buildups. Yeah, I think you could do something similar with Victory Bell, um, where it's 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 almost stacking poison effects on top of it. Where over time it will continue to do more and more and more until it's just too much to take, and you you drop a Pokemon from it. Um, I also just want to. I also just excited to see little Bell Sprout like noodling around the map because Bell Sprout is an adorable Pokemon. Yeah, Bell Sprout's dope, and Weepin Bell is also a really cool looking Pokemon. Um, I think Victory Bell all, would be so cool if you know how like in the anime Victory Bell would like eat James because it's like a, a like a big man eating plant thing, right? Yeah, right? it's pra- yeah, it's practically a... It's like uh, a... Feed me, Seymour, feed me. So, like, what if it that was his ultimate, is it could grab an enemy Pokemon and st- walk around with it. Like, it, like, literally, like, grab it, and for, like, five seconds, it could walk away with the enemy <laughs> stuck inside... Oh, just like, its- a D- like a DK capture move? Yes! Yes, dude, right? Like, and there, again, there's precedent for this in... in, uh, in uh MOBAs, like how cool would that be? Like the big old Venus flytrap Pokemon grab somebody, you see their little legs sticking out the top, and you wander over and bring them into your team and then let them loose. 
Right. It, that would be how would be fun hilarious. would that be? I mean, you could have. I mean, you could have Vine Whip. You could have. I think of the move that like, maybe a move you're talking about is rap. Um, well, no, I'm saying like you like could a, make your entire like your unite move would be grab them, just just absolutely just and walk them somebody. away. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to see like Machamp's little muscly feet kicking out the top of the the uh, the the. What is this called? Like the tube that is uh, Victory Bell's like body. Just the mouth. Yeah. yeah. Just trying like, <laughs> to just try to get out. That would be hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, oh, you know, there's legit a move called Swallow. Yeah, that's literally. And it. like it, it, yeah, it would just have Swallow, and it would heal as it's like as it's capturing somebody. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's, like it's healing maybe you the couldn't whole time. use your other moves, or like you couldn't use basic attacks, but like you can walk around and you heal over time as you munch on them. Yeah, and they're they're losing health, so you might be yeah. able to kill them while they're being swallowed yeah. over that course while you're just kidnapping them into oblivion. Dude, that'd be sick. But yeah, that would be really, really fun. But I think Victory Bell would be just an awesome and very unique. Oh, I so want to play as Bell Sprout now. Bell Sprout is such a cute, cool Pokemon. He's so funny. I remember this episode All- of the anime where he's like this little tiny Bell Sprout was like so super strong and was like smacking Pikachu around or something like that. Like Yep. <laughs> He just like like else on he gets a little yeah, he does, like, look on his face and he, just and he does this little like he just slap it with his hands. yeah and he's does he's like in the matrix he's doing these like like you know uh, um, lean back things to dodge all the attacks yeah yeah love it yeah. okay what's your last one all right my last one is uh, another kind of odd one it's Kecleon. 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 it's a Gen three Pokemon it's a chameleon Pokemon. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my idea with Kecleon is I would love to see another invisibility Pokemon in the game. Now, you may be surprised to hear that, Gibby, because I complain so much about Greninja. Greninja. But it's not Greninja's going invisible that I don't like. And it's not Gengar's going invisible with his ult that I don't like. It is the the vision reduction from Smokescreen. Okay, that's what I hate. I would love to see it Kecleon with a passive ability that after leaving a bush, because you're a chameleon, right? You're like all, you know, after leaving a bush, you're all invisible and stuff. You can't stay fly. invisible for like ten seconds afterwards, or until you use a move. So you want Sombra? Got it? Yeah, con- well, kind of, but like Sombra's different. Like so, Kecleon, and like I'd imagine Kecleon would probably be like a. I don't know, uh, either a speed, probably a speedster, right? Like, he's an assassin. You leave a bush, you're like, blah, 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 and then, boop, all of a sudden, Kecleon appears as he's, like, clawing you and stuff. And then when you pop in, if you can get back to another bush before they kill you, you could go invisible again. Or what if Or what if it had a recall? What if it had a recall to that bush? For like two or nah. th- after like two or three seconds, but nah. like, but like, it, there'd be like a visibility. Like you'd do a little puff of smoke or something like that. Comes nah, out of that I bush mean, maybe you, could like, you, you know which bush he's you in. You might. What you might do instead would be, uh, you would add a like a dash to his kit, so he could dash back to a bush. You know, mm. like a like a oh, I don't know, an agility or something like that, kind of like Zara. Mm. You know, where you can go whoop and and jump back to a bush, right? But I just think it would be so cool to, like, have another invisibility character that is not as strong as Absol when it comes to bursting damage. That is not as strong as, like, um, a brawler that wants to stay in the game. But that over time can chunk you down and isolate supports, duel them, and then run away. Like, Absol wants to jump in, obliterate someone, and then keep fighting with the team. And that would not be what Kecleon would theoretically want to do. 
you know, he would be want to be – and maybe he's even like extra fast while he's invisible. You run to a bush. You hide again and you try to reposition. Then you jump on somebody in again. You do like half their health with all of your moves and then you can They're- determine whether you want to keep dueling them. Or if you want your team, you know, and your team's going to filter in. Or if you say, okay, that's enough. I'm causing chaos, but I got to get out of here. And the crit chance has got to be there. Yo, yeah, he's got to have a crit crit chance. But, like, I don't envision him, even though he would be, like, a speedster, I don't envision him as being a true assassin. He's a nuisance Pokemon. He's a scout. He's running around giving you information, you know, getting – there's a character in Dota, like, Bounty Hunter, where literally – and maybe that would be a cool move to do. Like, you can mark an enemy – and then, you know, they have, like, uh, you have vision on them, no matter where they are on the map. Like, that could be, like, I imagine, because I don't feel like we have a good scout Pokemon, but I can't think of a way to have a scout Pokemon if you don't have a way to stay, like, invisible or unseen. And that's how I view mm-hmm. Kecleon, as a true, like, scouty, you know, uh, harrier that's going to mess with people as they move around the map, but not so much that it feels so awkward and and frustrating like i imagine somebody getting into a scrap escaping at like a quarter to half health and then they say okay better i'm just gonna go farm i'm not gonna go back to base and heal and top off i'm just gonna go back to farming and calculator goes you should have gone back to base now you're dead you know like yeah like that's what i imagine i think it would just be so cool this little assassin chameleon wandering around invisible and he's such a derpy looking dude i just imagined him kind of like walking around uh with his little hands up his little his little lizard hands up you know It'd be, He's also, be like, a really good invade tool. Yeah, he'd be such a great invader. Yeah. Oh, man. I think, you know, and again, as long as his damage output isn't insanely high, he becomes, like, a, a tool. Like a, like a true, like, almost like a support speedster blend. Maybe he's a support. Maybe I'm, I'm, I need to reclassify him and say he'd be a support. But, like, that's the kind of, like, these macro abilities, just like Hoopa can move you around you'd have something to help you scout and have vision because there's no wards in this game. So I just think that'd be well, so cool. When I think, I think something like he's got a move, uh, Cacklean's got a move like called triple smash, make maybe something as it pops out of a bush or comes out of invisibility and starts attacking. Um, I mean, there's, there's the move itself kind of writes itself that like the more times you hit, the more damage per hit it does. So you almost weigh the options of, do I stay out and do I not go back to try to go get invisible? The longer I'm out, the more susceptible I am to dying because I don't have a high health pool, but also the more damage I'm continuing to do. So I scratch and then I'm going to do a second scratch because that second scratch did a lot more damage than the first one. Yeah. The third one's going to do even more or maybe it increases the crit chance every single hit you do while that move is up and okay, now I killed somebody. I need to get out. Like, so there's, there's definitely ways to structure his damage status as well, where it's like the longer you make yourself vulnerable, mm-hmm. the more you do, but you have to be vulnerable in order to make it worth your while. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he, he's a, cause in the game, you know, he, he morphs his, um, his typing based on what damage he takes. So if someone attacks him with a dark move, he becomes a dark Pokemon. So the idea would be like, if they keep spamming dark moves, all of a sudden now he's, got uh, resistance to it obviously we don't have type advantage in this game but i think taking the inspiration of him you know being camouflaged and stuff would just make it really really fun so anyways that's my last one uh let us know what you guys think about our ideas uh in our in our discord channel i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap up and get out of here so uh hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode keep in mind we will be posting shortly after this uh a 
uh, too soon tier list uh, reflecting the uh, the changes uh, that have come out with this last balance patch. And uh, and we actually haven't done a full Pokemon roster tier list, so that'll be really fun. Um, we hope you guys do join the Discord. Uh, we will have a link to that in the episode description, so you guys can click on that and join our awesome community. We just also want to real fast thank our Patreon supporters. Those are the people that support any range of, uh, of our podcasts from the Camp Legend Network. Um, and if you are interested in checking those out, we have a podcast that is... Uh, run by uh, Gibby and our other co-host Mark that is all about the Legends of Runeterra card game. You can also check out our uh, actual play RPG podcast uh, called Almost Legends where uh, all three of us play together. So that will be uh, that will be cool and if you're interested in those you can ask around in our Discord about it and we can get you uh, the links to those as well. Yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you on the next one and don't forget to have fun, show up to Zap, and don't forget to ping your lanes. See you guys next time.